0: We talk, we talk,
1: Superman, and we know what's happening. We talk, we talk, we talk, Superman, and we cover everything. Hello and welcome once again to the All-Star Superfan Podcast, the podcast that delves into any and all things Superman throughout the 80-year legacy of the man of steel i'm one of your hosts rob o'connor and i'm joined once again by the midlands man of steel the one and only mr alan burke how are you doing tonight sir
2: hey rob i am very excited uh, to speak to tonight's guest uh, not only a legend of comics in general but an absolute icon of the superman legacy and that's not any exaggeration we're thrilled to have this man on tonight
1: we're we are extremely excited once again we'd like to remind you that you can like us on facebook and instagram at all star superfan Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at All Star Super Pod. Get in touch. Let us know your thoughts and feelings. We know you're going to have some very, very strong feelings about uh, this great man's work tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the big one. We are humbled and honored, as Alan just said, to be in the company of a giant of Superman comics. He has written some of the best and most beloved DC comics of all time. And his impact on The Man of Steel is nothing short of gargantuan we are absolutely over the moon to welcome to the All-Star Superfan Podcast, Mr. Mark Wade. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, sir. I think you should have soft-pedaled the introduction a little bit, but uh,
0: <laughs> all good. How are you doing? Great. All things considered, all good, and working away, slugging away at, uh, at Superman stuff, of all things. So, nothing I, mean, I can we- talk about, sadly, but trust me, as, I, as I'm typing Superman stuff, even even today. Amazing. Um, we,
1: we, we've, been, we've been reading your work, Mark, I would say, for most of our lives. I think my earliest memory of, read, of, re, of reading something written by Mark Wade was I had uh, the Superman Golden Age archives when I was about eight or nine years old. And you wrote right. a, a lovely introduction to those stories. But I suppose we like to ask all of our guests, first of all, um, and I know you've spoken about this so many times, but what introduced you to the world of Superman? Sure. I mean, I'll try to keep it
0: brief because, you know, people have heard this story. If you haven't heard this story, this is awesome. If you have heard this story, go make a sandwich and come back. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I love Superman growing up, but I love Batman. I love, you know, all the comic book characters as a kid. Uh, when I got to my middle teens, uh, I was going through a bad period. And again, this is no slight on any of the adults in my life at all. Everybody was doing their best as they could, but it was just a really dark time where I sort of felt like nobody cared whether I even lived or died. And I went to see the Superman movie. It was January 26, 1979. And I walked out of that movie theater after seeing it twice in a row, knowing that whatever the rest of my life was gonna be, it it was gonna have to do with Superman. And it took me a long time to really make the connection, figure out why I bonded so strongly with Superman at that point in a bond that has has never been shaken. And I think that, you know, I mean, obviously I knew he was a fictional character. I mean, I'm not crazy, but even still as a kid, I looked at him and I thought, you know superman cares about everybody i didn't feel nobody cares about me but superman cares about everybody it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor or where you're from it doesn't you know what, whoever you are he cares about everybody and i think that was it i think that was the that was the glue that holds us together and since then you know i've been it's been ride or die with Kal-El.
2: And is, is is that what you think makes Superman um, so special, Marcus? Is, is is it specifically that, that he cares about everybody? Or what is it that you think makes this character endure for for eight, almost nine
0: decades? It's There's two separate questions. So yeah. let's go back to the first one, which is, is that what makes him special? And I think that what makes him special is a variation on what I just said. And I think what makes him special, and to me, his greatest superpower, is that he can have anything, do anything, be anything. He can, you know, he can, he can take control of the world if he wanted to. Yeah, and he chooses not to. He cho- that his selflessness, his utter selflessness, that is a hundred percent on all the time. That is what makes Superman special, I think.
2: And you're uh, you're a huge fan of the Silver Age of um, of, of comics. What yeah. what is it that draws you to that era, that kind of Wayne boring era era of comics?
0: Yeah. More of a Kurt Swan era, but uh but I think that it I, I mean a lot of it is just that's what I grew up reading. So you're yeah. all you know, you're always your golden age of comics is 10, 12, whatever. That's when it's always gonna be your golden age. So that's the stuff I grew up with. And then I because I obsess over detail and I like to know everything. You know, I I just I have such a fondness for that era too because I know it backwards and forwards. I know all the the continuity. I know all the stories, and so that's that's my that's my comfort place. It doesn't in any way mean that I'm trying to recreate it now or that I'm interested in trying to recreate it because that stuff doesn't. You know, I mean, it was of its time. Yeah. And there, but there's an energy you can take from that without it being retro. There is a inventiveness and a sort of a optimism that you can take from those comics of the silver age and easily transport to the 21st century without it feeling dated. And that's so when I draw on the the silver age of comics that's what I'm drawing from.
2: We recently did a review of the Menace from the Stars story from the I think it was 1954 it came out and uh yep. we it, it's in the collection The Superman in the 50s and you did a lovely intro. Um, introduction in that back in 2002. Um, yeah, you're you welcome. Said- by the way,
0: because I picked those stories. I picked oh, stories nice. Those oh, fantastic! Great. <laughs> I, picked I-, I picked the stories for that, and I picked the stories for the 60s volume as well.
2: um Yeah, because we we did a we did a review of it, and then the live action versions of that story as as yeah. they progressed the gone, yeah. yeah, and uh you, you made a great point there where you said, you know, that Superman was a big boy, a big blue Boy Scout in a time when that was a good thing.
0: When it was a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, do you think the fact that, um, in the saying that you say about not trying to recreate the silver age, but do you think the fact that say in the nineties at the time when you did books like kingdom come, the fact that you weren't maybe as cynical as other comic book writers at the time that your work has kind of always linked to that kind of silver age optimism, maybe a bit more than it should be.
0: I think so. I mean, it's definitely my work. I don't know if that's why, but certainly my work is, I think it is when I get criticism and it's, you know, blanket criticism of people who don't like my work, it tends to be, Oh, he's just trying to do the silver. He's, he's trying to do the silver age over and over again. And I think the sin I had was not necessarily anything I did or wrote. I think it's just that everybody knows that I'm know everything about silver age comics. And I think, so they just interpolate from that yeah, and think, Oh, well that's what he's just trying to recreate, which is ridiculous. I mean, I, I, you know, I love the Rolling Stones too, but, I don't know how relevant they are in the year 2021. Yeah. So all that's, so I don't mean to sound defensive, but all of that said that I think also that optimism, I luckily just really sort of, I guess, set me apart from the pack in the nineties yeah. because no one else seemed interested in telling anything, but dark cynical. How do we top each other with, you know, all horrible, awful things happening to characters. And I just, I, I resist that because these characters, you can tell stories like that about these characters, but they're not built for that. Yeah. They were not created to be that cynical and that dark. If you, it, it, there's no way to, to minimize anybody who has done a, a really great take from, you know, with that point of view, but as a rule, you know, as a, as a, for a monthly comic, These characters are not built for that. They're built for optimism. They're built from Superman in particular is built to do the impossible. He was created by two kids in Cleveland who felt powerless to, you know, to do the first thing you ever see of Superman is him lifting a car over his head and smashing into a cliff. It's impossible. It's so impossible that the publisher of DC Comics at the time actually looked at it and said, this is ridiculous and took him (laughs) off the covers of the next six issues of action comics until he, and it wasn't Superman back, wasn't back on the cover until enough news dealers were telling the publisher, no, the kids are asking for the thing with Superman on the cover. Uh, So I know it sounds ridiculous in the year 2022, but in 1938, when, you know, your AV media was so minimal, that image was a lot more striking. He's built to do the impossible. He's not built to be in stories about the Kobayashi Maru. If, <laughs> if you're building a Superman story around the Kobayashi Maru, you've screwed up because yeah. that's not, you know, you can tell those kind of stories with some other characters, but you can't really tell it with Superman. He's, that, that is a complete betrayal of what he was built to do.
1: It's interesting hearing you talk about this, Mark, because uh, one, of my, one of my favorite uh, pieces of work by, by you is Superman Birthright. Thank which you. to me is, is the ultimate kind of modern Superman story in that it does, it does sort of tip its toe a little bit into kind of the darker, uh, cynical side of modern life. Mm-hmm. But it, it never f- forgets that fundamental part of Superman's character, which is who he is and what he's about and the, and the, the optimism and the hope that drives him. Um, yeah. and, and I, I think you can, you can really see that you're walking a bit of a tightrope throughout that story, but I think you do it so well. Um, And I think you you, kind of carry that sort of silver age sensibility with you, even though it's, it's about as far from the silver age as you can can get. It's true. But it's, you know, I mean, again, that, uh, let me just,
0: again, speaking to the optimism of the character and then we can move on. But I mean, this is why he doesn't wear a mask because he doesn't want people afraid of him. This is why he wears a big red and yellow and blue costume that stands out from the crowd because he wants people to see him coming and not feel like He's sneaking up on them or not feeling like he's, you know, he wants, you know, he wants, he wants eyes on him, not because he has an ego, but just because he wants people to feel reassured that he's, you know, he can, he can be seen doing good things as opposed to being you know our own god is he around us now what's he going to do next yeah yeah.
1: he wants to look like someone you can approach and someone you can trust and I I love that moment in the story where the reason he wears that costume is so that people aren't afraid of him because people are are always afraid of him up until that point in the story and there's that beautiful shot where he's flying away and he has that smile on his face when he realizes that Lois isn't afraid and yeah it's, it's it's a great moment I love it thank you and
2: Rob and I have discussed it on the podcast previously, but what's great about Birthright is the focus on Clark Kent as a journalist, which is an aspect of the character which is often omitted, and especially even in the, in the, in, in the latest films and that with the, the Henry Cavill um, films, yeah. completely omitted, really. Um, it's, the, it's such a great addition to that book, and it really uh, gives depth to his character as, as, as Clark the human, as Clark the person. Thank I was saying I was
1: saying earlier on, Mark, I want to read an entire 12 issue run of Clark Kent traveling around the world, you know, covering local politics. And I, I love those first right. two issues where he's just kind of going around meeting people. And it, it's something that was a huge part of the John Byrne era. And then you really, really flesh it out. And then they kind of don't really do it anymore. Like it, yeah. in, the, in the movie, he was just kind of wandering around Canada serving beers to truckers. <laughs> <laughs> right. <I don't... laughs> exactly.
0: Where this is, yeah. I, I mean, credit where it's due. I want to say that Gail Simone, who was a dear friend of mine when we were, when, you know, because I talk about my stories with all my friends, especially in the early stages, and we're just knocking ideas back and forth. And I want to say it was her idea to do to focus a little bit in, on the globe-trotting era of Clark. Yeah, which I so grateful for, and then also gave that also gave me an opportunity to to sort of. I don't want to say correct that's not the right but it, but to address something that that goes back to the burn reboot that I really didn't care for which is that in the burn reboot he didn't even finish high school. Yeah. Um much less go to college. So mm. I I wanted I wanted to be able to fold that in. So one of the reasons I did that is so I could specifically have him say, you know, he's got a, a degree that he's you know gotten from, you know, I you know while he's on the road or whatever. So I, I, that's a little bit of trivia for you. you know.
2: Because we all, love the, we all love the the Richard Donner, Chris Reeve movie, but he seems to have gotten that job with the Daily Planet just by being a fast typist.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. No, That's apparently all it takes in Metropolis to get the gig. Yeah.
2: Can I ask you something, Mark? Um, yeah. What do you think when people say that Superman is a very hard character to write?
0: This is ridiculous. I just, I laugh. It's funny. I even had a, I actually had a dream about that last night when I was having this argument with somebody that, he's i mean i i i grant that some people will find him hard to write i don't i find it because the criticism is well he can do anything and nothing can hurt him which is completely not true i mean yes he can do anything but in terms of being hurt he's the most human of human characters you can yeah. you know you can hurt him by threatening people you can hurt him by threatening his friends you can hurt him by just by you know, it, through his heart, you can hurt him. Um, and, and the way to get to Superman and the way to, to wound Superman is to approach it from that point of view, if you're a villain. And, and, you know, you're not looking to puncture his skin, you're looking to mess with his head. Yeah.
1: But again, going back to those first two issues, Mark, there's that wonderful moment where um, Clark flies out to save uh, Kobe, I think his name is. Yeah. And uh, and he realizes then that the, the, the terrorists are attacking the civilians and he knows that those are the people that Kobe would want to be protected. So he has to go back and save them. And it's that perfect conundrum that you could only do with Superman, because if if it was a character who didn't have that empathy, he'd he, you know, he, he'd he go and save the person that he cared for over the, 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 the right. needs of the many. And it, it, it's it's that perfect conundrum that explains, you know, why Superman while he is so powerful, he can't save everyone, and that is nearly what makes him interesting. In some ways, is that you know yeah. his uh, his empathy, his humanity is is can also be a weakness, in a manner of speaking. You know, right? Um, it's a
0: tightrope as a writer because you he you I mean you get drama out of the idea that he can't save everybody, and you want that to be understood as as a threat to Superman at the same time you know, with the exception of what, you know, what, what, you know, the early Superman, what I would call the early Superman, the proto Superman in, in Birthright when he's still Clark. Yeah. I, you know, going back to what I said about him being able to do the impossible. I don't want to read a story where he fails to save somebody. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And when you're writing a story like Birthright, an origin story, is there additional pressure on you because it is an origin story and you're kind of rewriting History really with with what what you're putting when you're putting pen to paper, you know that it's you're you're rewriting what was written in 1938, and I, even I know that in 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 the 1938 yeah. version that it wasn't you know it isn't the version that we've had. You know right. things have but, changed yeah. a lot since then. But is there a, a lot more pressure on you compared to a regular Superman story?
0: There there is because again it's a matter of trying to do no harm. It's yeah. a matter of I'm I'm a big I'm a big believer in author intent. So I'm a yeah. big believer in going back to what to original sources when I take on a character and have to rethink the character from scratch. And in this case, you know, there's some. There was at that point what 70 years, 65 yeah. years, whatever of history, and and how much of it can I use here? How much we're we going to use there? A good example of where I felt that history was more important than what I wanted was that personally. I don't like the Kents being alive when Superman's an adult. I like the, I really love the idea that, that especially Jonathan passing away was a a rite of passage for young Superman that I can, you know, I can all these powers, but I can't save him and having his parents alive. And again, great stories have been told. And I'm not saying this is, I'm not saying it's a bad decision. I'm just saying this is a personal take, a personal preference, having his parents alive me undercuts what i part of what drives the character the tragedy of the character is that he is alone is that he is he is very much despite you know that's why he asked clark kent if he didn't have clark kent and we're leaving supergirl and batman as some of the equation we're talking about the pure superman then he's one of a kind and there's no one else quite like him and when you throw parents into that mix and have him every time he has a problem flying back home to Ma and, pa and sitting around and having blueberry pie and talking about what to do. To me, that's not Superman. That's still kind of a grown up Superboy. Interesting. So that's, I'm, that, I'm, so I'm then, me, me, sorry, go on. Well, yeah. let me finish out that thought. So, all that said, with Birthright, they're still alive. Yeah. And that is because when I wrote the story, I accept the fact that this is not my vision of the Kents, but, you know, they've been alive in the comics now for 20 years at that point, people, people respond well to that. People, fans, re- I'm out of step. Fans really like that. So it felt wrong of me to undo that just because I have a point of view on this. So that's a, that's an example of the pressure you're, you're kind of under is trying to do no harm. And at the same time, you know, I don't want to feel like a short order cook. I'm saying like I'm taking all my orders from the fans, but, I do want to tell a story where longtime fans are not going to come after me with a, you know, with torches and
1: pitchforks. Okay. Can I ask to follow up on that then, Mark? You yeah, know, please. A, lot, a, a lot of, uh, you know, Superman would have been married to Lois. Um, yeah. through, throughout the 90s. I, I, they're married still now, I think they're constantly changing. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. now obviously 30 John, years. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, John uh, Jonathan Kent is on the scene now. How do you how do you feel about that kind of expanding kind of family dynamic of Superman now that exists?
0: I like reading those things. I think that they there have been a lot of great stories out of it. I like John Kent as a character. Yeah. It 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 feels like an Else to me but a good one like, mm-hmm. and, and it, it helps me. It helps me understand that I have in the past, especially in my twenties and thirties, I had a very strong, this is what Superman is. And if you're doesn't, if this is not what your vision of Superman then you're wrong and to help me understand that, no, 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 there's a lot of different visions of Superman and everybody gets to worship at the church of their choice. And, you know, if that's the version of Superman that that connects to you, then more power to you. I, again, getting back to the, Loneliness of the character, which I think is an important part of the tragedy, I can't. I can't wrap my head around a married Superman. I can. I can't wrap my head around a Superman without a secret identity. I think that those are all key components of who, of what makes him, in my, in my point of view. So, and again, none of this is to slag anything anybody else has done, but I'm just talking about my own personal preferences. I think that the secret identity, in particular, is key because. You know, and he gets he gets lip every once in a while from fans. Well, you're, you know, he says he never lies, and yet he has a secret identity. Here's the thing: there's a difference between secrecy and privacy. Yeah. To me, as long as Clark Kent isn't walking around saying to people point blank, "I'm not Superman," <laughs> or Superman's not walking around point blank, going, "No, I'm not Clark Kent." To me, that's not a lie. It's it, worst. It's a sin of omission. But even then, that's you know. I don't give my girlfriend my Gmail password either. You know, everybody has their their levels of of uh, you know privacy that they're and that they're entitled to.
1: And as I think, this, Clark- as Mister Spock would say, I didn't lie; I exaggerated. Yeah,
0: I think I think that I think that you can still say Superman doesn't lie, and and still squeeze in this idea that he has a secret identity. On you know, as long as again, as he's not actually flatly lying to people about it.
2: And it is something that has been neglected a lot in media over the last while. Like in in oh in, yeah, I mean Henry Campbell is you
0: know
1: looks like he's not Clark Kent at all. He's just Superman in street clothes. <laughs> the The recent TV show is a little bit we we love the new TV show that they yeah. have, but that that's definitely a little bit guilty of that as well. He's kind of just Superman yeah. the whole time. <laughs> I know,
0: I know, I know. He's he, he, they've gotten better about making him Clarkish around other people, but it's and I like the show by the way. I mean again. Yeah. As I say, not my vision of Superman, but it doesn't mean I can't enjoy it.
1: Just on the on the topic of secret identities, Mark, you know, yeah. it's it's the common thing. You know, uh, it, it can be it can be difficult to be a Superman fan sometimes. You know, people will say, "Oh, it's ridiculous. He wears glasses. How can she not?" Whatever. Your, your depiction of that where he's, he's studying the Meisner technique and he's trying yeah. at all these different, act, uh, you know, uh, outfits. And I just, uh, th- that's the reason I always give birthright to, to the naysayers. I'm like, this is the story that will teach you that it can be done. Um, it's, yeah.
0: You know, for those who haven't read birthright, it's not just a matter of putting on a pair of glasses. It's, it's all, it's the way you dress. It's the way you, you know, dress sloppily so you don't, the muscles aren't showing. It's the way that you sort of compress your spine. So you're a little shorter as Clark can. It's and most importantly, it's why he wears glasses because as I said in the, in birthright, and this is one of my favorite things I was able to stick put into the mythos is that his eyes as yeah. Superman are so blue and so perfect. And so like Paul Newman, Oh yeah. my God, I'm going to fall into those eyes that wearing the glasses cuts that effect. Whereas you know, it's specifically designed to cut the color a little bit and to mute that effect. So he doesn't even have Superman's eyes. So again, all these pieces together, Yes, you still have to have suspension of disbelief, but I don't think it, you have to suspend as much yeah. if you really think about it through that film, through that lens.
2: It always makes me think of that scene in Superman the movie with Christopher <sighs> Reeve. That one scene where you can yeah. see, if you were a naysayer, just watch that scene and you can see yeah. that man turn from one person into another, standing in the apartment by just standing up straight, deepening yeah. his voice, and taking those glasses off. It's incredible. Um, I Mark,
0: will also say, I will also say that I know I'm interrupting. I'm sorry, but I will also say so- this with all due respect to the journalists that I have known and still know journalists of all journalists are some of the least aware people in terms of their immediate <laughs> environment that I've ever met. They're so concentrated on what's happening on, you know, outside their little world that they're not really paying attention to what's happening inside their world. So if anybody's going to not make the connection, it's going to be lowest.
2: Um, Mark, can I, can we touch a little bit on I have on a degree that.
1: in journalism, by the way, Mark. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't. It's fine.
2: <laughs> um, Mark, can, can we touch? Uh, we'd be remiss not to, to obviously mention um, another one of your your works, Kingdom Come, which I'm sure, sure you're, you're sick to the teeth of talking to talking about.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm good. It's been 25 years. I've done my share of interviews, but that's fine. I don't mind.
2: Um, when you're writing something that is as iconic as Kingdom Come, do you, in the moment, do you set out to write something iconic? and like, Do you know it's iconic at the time that no. you're writing it and that it's going to last decades, or is it just the next Superman story that it's, you're writing? It's a,
0: with that one, it's a little different because I, it wasn't exactly just the next Superman story. I knew because Alex was attached that it was going to be a big deal because of yeah. Marvel's, which was his previous work and how successful he was. But I had no idea how embrace the story would be and how people would still be reading it, and referring to it 25 years later, as I was writing it, I distinctly remember writing the first three scripts and it was, you know, I mean, I was aware of the, you know, it's going it to, there's going to be some, some heat to this, but I can, yeah. and it, and it midway through the fourth script is when the first issue came out and the entire world went nuts and this, suddenly I got flop sweat. I mean, it took me longer to finish the, the back half of number four than it did for me to write <laughs> all three other scripts because suddenly, oh my God, this is, this is a big deal to people. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, in that sense, it can be freaky.
2: And a lot of people have obviously compared it, you know, I, I've said that it's an allegory for the the state of comics at the time of the yeah. 90s with the with the with the doom and gloom and, the, you know, characters like the Punisher and Wolverine and all those kind of yeah. antiheroes. Was that something that you were frustrated with at the time of writing Kingdom Come? Were you frustrated with
0: what was happening in comics at the time? Yeah, I was. I mean, it just I mellowed out a little bit because we get back to this, you know, idea that you know, people get to worship at the church of their choice. And if you like that kind of stuff, you like that kind of stuff. But back then, certainly I was, I was very, and Alex was the same way. I mean, we were kindred spirits along those lines of, oh my God, really? It's just, this is, you're going to, you're naming characters after random things you see in the apartment at this point point, cable,
1: and giving them cable,
0: (laughs) you know, and you're giving, exactly. And you're giving them armor and you're giving them guns and, you know, and now we're gonna do that to the main DC characters and you're rolling your eyes. And so it was very much a response to that.
2: And mentioning cable there actually, Magog reminds me a lot of that kind of cable design. It was was there any influence there?
0: Oh yeah. I mean, actually it was less less so him than I forget the name of the other character who shows up at the top of issue two, I think, but there's, there's a character who, with an, a very American Eagle sort of.
2: Oh yeah. Uh, oh, Amer, American, American, American Commando or American. American Ameri- Commando. American Commando. The, the
0: American Commando. And I literally, in the script, I literally wrote, you know, design cable, like do, like go cable. But <laughs> the time. I literally use cable as a reference. So yeah, I mean, it's with Magog, a little bit of that, too. And again, Alex is a smart man, so I, I know he designed that character with this in mind.
1: Can, can I ask just quickly, uh, Mark, yeah. th- there, there's a beautiful line of dialogue that Superman says um, there's a good and a, a bad in the universe and the difference shouldn't be t- shouldn't be too hard to distinguish or something like that. Are you citing Elliot S. magin there? No,
0: example? completely. The line is there is a good and an evil in the universe and it is not hard to figure out the difference.
1: And and the and, the soul vision in, in birthright is not one of his creations yep. as well. Yeah, totally. Okay. Look, Elliot was
0: an enormous, enormous influence on me growing up. He he and Marty Pasco, who also wrote Superman in the seventies, helped inform who that character was. But more importantly, his novels, Miracle Monday and yes. Last Son of Krypton, so good, are two of my favorite Superman stories of all time. And if you had to, if you were forced to just pick up two things that define Superman to me, it, it's those two novels. And so with Elliot's kind permission, yes, I lifted the line and I got into this. The soul vision wasn't, so, it was a little bit of Elliot, but it was also part of, even I'm calling it soul vision. I don't want to call it soul vision because that's what people <laughs> mock. It's not soul vision. <laughs> Sorry, Again, yeah. for those who haven't read the comic, it's this idea that living things have an aura around yeah. them. Living thi- all living things have a certain like, glow around them. If you're Superman and you can see up and down the spectrum things that nobody else can see. And when that goes away, when that when that fades, it is an awful, ugly, terrible sight, mm. and that is a big part of why Superman is, you know, very, you know, very much against killing, very much against death. Um, it just repels him. So yeah, a lot of that was st- a lot of that was stolen lock, stock, and barrel from Elliot, and we also hit, twisted that a little bit for the famous Superman two thousand proposal that never got oh. off the ground.
1: Yes, that, that was yourself, Mark Miller and Grant Morrison and a few others. And, Is that right?
0: and Tom Pyre. It was the three of us and Tom Pyre. Yeah. We pitched a revi- we've been asked to pitch a revision of Superman by the outgoing editor. We went ahead and came up with a, a, a take on Superman. Here's what we would do. We were given the job by the new editor and then management found out and they lost their minds and they forbid us from doing this. And they fired us before we even got started. And we were told because okay. we, the perception was because we were asked for it by one editor and we gave it to another editor. The miscommunication in the office was that we had somehow tried to steal the job from the people who were working on it then. that we weren't asked that we were trying to impose ourselves, which is completely untrue. But it, it's one of those things where, you know, a lie can travel halfway around the world before the truth can get out of the gate. Yeah. By the time everything got settled, upper management understood that there had been, it was all a miscommunication, but by that time, you know, the damage was done. So, but I say damage. We, if, if, you know, if not for the fail, the, the you know, the failure of Superman 2000, you wouldn't have all-star Superman. You wouldn't have Superman birthright. So yeah. we managed to pull some stuff out of there.
2: What is it like 25 years after what is undoubtedly one of the greatest Superman stories ever told in Kingdom Come? What is it like 25 years later when you see that suit in live action on someone like Brandon Routh?
0: That is so great. That is, I was literally having dinner with Mark Guggenheim a few, you know, a few months before they started filming Crisis. And he was telling me, he's like, I, you know, we, we can't decide whether we want to put Brandon Routh back in the Superman Returns costume. Or do no, we want him? Don't do that. Don't, just, do that. Just, <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. I said, I told him, I said it flatly. No, this is not what you're going to put him in the King- you know, If your choice is one of the two, you're going to put him in the kingdom Come costume. I just, I didn't ask him. I just told him. And so the force of, you know, with the force of my personality, I just helped. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was so, it was just so well done in that crisis story. I really was happy with the way that that stuff is that when I see that stuff, that makes me all warm inside when I, and it, it, not as much anymore, but you started to see it some in the two thousands when you start seeing other elements of kingdom come, come into the DC universe Yeah, that I feel like people sometimes are getting the wrong message. Like it's mm-hmm. not a prophecy. It's, it's a, it's a cautionary tale. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we don't want to go there. And so mm-hmm. if you're bringing those elements in, you know, be careful.
1: I, yeah. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, yeah. And especially just to, just to cap that point off is I suppose with the Brandon Roth version, at least it's kind of an alternate universe Superman yeah. or like, do you sit down? Did you sit, I presume you sat down and watched it yourself and. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah.
0: I got, yeah. I got connections. He sent me copies early and it was, <laughs> and it was, I wanted, I was bursting trying wanting to tell people I could
2: and what is your opinion, uh, Mark, on the current state of Superman in, in comics and say on the, on the big screen at the moment? Are you happy with the direction that they're taking or do, do you, are you reading them at the moment? Are you still connected to it or have you kind of distanced yourself from it a little bit?
0: I'm, I'm still reading the comics and I like a lot of what Bendis did. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I like a lot of what Philip Kennedy Johnson is doing. And I like a lot of what, like lot of what Tom Taylor's doing. Tom Taylor's yeah. terrific, yeah, he's really good. terrific yeah, talent. Is, yeah. So again, you know, I'm, I read them, I enjoy them, I don't embrace them completely because, again, not my preference of Superman, but I, that just mean I can't recognize them at the craft they are. With the movies, you know, they're getting there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you
0: know, it's. I tell you,
2: someday, someday we'll find someone who has something positive to say about the most recent movies, but we haven't found it yet.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, every time Cavill's on the screen, he's closer yeah. to. You know, but we're boy, we're not we're not there yet. So there's,
2: there's just some kind of an essential ingredient, I think, that is just it's missing, and I, I think that's the hope of it. Uh, yeah. th- there's just something; it's just not it's not hitting the mark. I don't think for the well, especially for my generation and older generations than, than me, it, it's there's something missing in that formula. I think. Yeah. Um, can,
1: can I ask, Mark, what what do you think of yeah. um, the 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 what they're developing at the moment with Tana Hassy Coats? Because I, I, what what really excites me about that is it's an actual journalist writing Superman for once. Which, you know, <laughs> good
0: point. I hadn't thought about that, but good point. Yeah, no, he's also not. to... I, I sound like I'm on name drop, and I'm not trying to, but he's a he's a friend of mine as well. So that was I was so thrilled um, when when he took over Captain America from me. I you know I made it abundantly clear, like I. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have voluntarily left the book for anybody else because I love that character. But for him, absolutely, because I, he I wanted to see what a black man writing Captain America would be like. Yeah. I wanted to read that comic, and same with the Superman take. He's gonna you know whatever he's gonna do in terms of the film. If that if that happens, yeah. who knows? You know nothing ever happens until it's actually filmed. But I I look. I trust him and I know he loves comics. So, and he, he had not read Kingdom Come until a few months ago. Wow. And when he he did, he sent me just the nicest letter, the nicest email about how impressed he was, which was, which made me, I mean, that's, it's nice getting compliments. It's especially nice getting compliments from somebody who is is, as celebrated as, and as good at what he does as Tahasi is
2: what's it like to have written and maybe you don't agree because you know, you're so close to it, but what's it like to be known for writing some of the greatest Superman stories ever told? I mean, that must be amazing.
0: I don't, I honestly, I don't, I, you have to tell me, cause <laughs> I don't know. I, if I started thinking that way yeah, and gotten, you know, and get a big ego about it, then I'm just going to be a jerk about it. I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that way. It, well, it's, you know, well,
1: it'll well, be put nice it- We'll put it a different way, Mark. There's a clear line you can draw between the Superman stories you've written and the Flash stories you've written and even the Captain America story. Like people have cited your work. Um, And, you know, how does that make you feel? We'll say that makes me feel awesome.
0: I mean, that part of the joy of working on a character that you don't own and you didn't create is being able to put something into the continuity or give something to that character's experience that other people pick up on and run with. Because then you feel like you're able able to add to the legacy. So, you know, the idea that the S stands for hope. I mean, when I heard that on my movie screen, regardless of how I felt about Man of Steel I love that moment. Yeah. Uh, made me feel great. When I hear when, you know, whenever I hear the word speed force in yeah. the movies or on TV, <laughs> I just light up like Christmas tree. So that's that's a big part of The joy of it for me, because, again, I took so much from these characters when I was a kid that the idea of being able to give back, you know, even though they're not real people, just the idea of being able to give back to that legacy makes me feel good.
2: And just to segue, Mark, then into some of your upcoming Superman projects. I mean, it's been announced that you're working on a Superman black label with Brian Hitch and a a Batman Superman kind of world's finest uh, team up with uh, Dan Mora. When, when you're writing Superman now, as Mark Wade who wrote Kingdom Come and Birthright and, and these stories, are you under more pressure then to deliver when it comes to, to yeah. new
0: things? <laughs> yeah, because people, again, I don't care how good what I write now is. People are going to compare it to not Kingdom Come. They're going rem- to compare it to their memory of Kingdom Come. They're going to compare it to the nostalgia they have for Kingdom Come. And you're always going to come out as loser there. So all I can do is the best I can do. Um, the black label thing is frankly sort of a, uh, an under the radar sequel to birthright. Um, so, oh, I feel more, so I feel more comfortable in that. It's that Lex, it's that Clark and it, so it's It, and it makes reference to, and therefore I feel a little bit less pressure there because hey this is you know this is just an extension of a story you already liked
1: i was going to um, ask you if we were ever going to see a sequel to birthright so you've just that, yeah,
0: yes you will it just depends on when brian finishes drawing it. so um and, and then the world's finest thing is it's a different kind of pressure because the without talking about it too much because again D- dc will come in after all of us like like Brazil, they'll come rappel down the side of your building and take away the, the hard drive. Um, <laughs> but it's it's much more of a bread and butter, like yeah. classic version of Superman and Batman with all the toys and all the you know the, the the characters that you know and love, and not having to feel grounded in exactly what's happening in the other books at this moment. So it's going out a continuity. That said, I have to work extra hard. To make sure that <clears throat> what i write doesn't feel like a nostalgia ad. you know yeah. what i write doesn't feel like old hat or old-fashioned because i'm using sort of older versions of the character so it's it, there's more pressure with that one than there is with the black with the brian hitch one
2: in terms of the world's finest team up with batman let me ask you this mm-hmm. question should superman and batman be friends yep <laughs> yeah that answers that question
0: <laughs> yep absolutely i don't see any reason why not they, tr- they trust each other implicitly and yeah. as different as they are they you know fundamentally they care about human life and that's uh, it, that's part of my answer like that's that's the more philosophical the my also my other answer is yes because i'm just tired of seeing them as enemies yes
1: so i just want
0: the, i just want something different so yeah. let's make them fr- so in world's finest they are very very much friends
2: yeah. No, I can't wait. When can we expect those books out or can we, do we have, is there, there's no release dates or anything yet? for. The there's performer? no release
0: date set. I think the, the, there's a 10 page prequel that shows up in detective 1050 in a, in a few months uh, that as soon as I get off the phone, I'll go write that thing. Um, and then beyond that, it's, you know, I don't think we've got any set schedules yet, but I'm, you know, when DC announces they'll announce big. So Perfect,
2: perfect. Excellent. Can I just ask you one more thing before we finish yeah. up, um, Mark? Sure. Do you have any advice for anybody who's looking to get in, getting into writing comics or anything like that? Anybody yeah. who's looking to make a career in comics? Any yeah,
0: I, get, I, get, I have three pieces of advice. One is go to markway.com because there's, it's, there's some, it's, it's old material at this point. It's been up there for a while, but there's a lot of sort of how-to tips there about breaking in what pitches look like and what proposals look like. Uh, my second answer is that um, you should be reading in June, you should be reading How to Write Comics the Marvel Way, which is a book that I've written for Simon & Schuster, which will be coming out in June, well, which is literally everything I know about making comics from proposals and ideas and scripts all the way to penciling, inking, lettering, coloring. Yeah. So that's, I, that's, kind of, that's the kind of book I wish I'd had when I first started out in comics. It's, this is everything you need to know about how, the fundamentals about how to do comics. My third answer is that the beauty of the web is that it has de- democratized comics and the making of comics. If you want to be in comics, you're in, you know, go do a page, you know, do a con do a webcomic. You're in comics. Yeah. And the God's honest truth is that editors from bigger companies look at this stuff. Yeah. They, they, they look, pay attention to, you know, to web stuff to see who's talented and who's not for, for two reasons. One is which one of which is just to see what the raw talent is. But the other is, and the advantage of doing a webcomic a web is that if you're doing it on a regular basis, like you're putting up a page, or I don't care if it's a page a month or two pages a week or whatever it is, yeah. And you do that for a long enough time, as an editor, I look at that and go, okay. Not only is the work good, but you have a work ethic. Like I can count on you to be reliable and deliver, and that gives you a leg up on somebody who just has talent and is a mystery otherwise. Yeah. So my advice to break into comics is go find yourself an artist or if you're an artist go find yourself a writer just google there's there's plenty of places online to f- connect like that and you're in comics i got a few more you know for the, for you guys i'll make a few more minutes if you had a few more questions
2: that's great that's i'm having the- such
0: a great time this is really <laughs> a lot of fun
2: yeah the, thank you look to be honest I'm, I'm just sitting here it's so surreal just talking to mark Wade on vacation <laughs> it's it's crazy i have to kind of keep pinching myself i,
1: um, I, I i've got one if you if you don't mind alan um <laughs> no. We, we, we love asking. We know that, you, you know, you didn't have any role to play in this, but we love asking about the different writers and their opinions on the different live action versions of Superman. Obviously, yeah. you're a huge Christopher Reeve fan. I want to get your thoughts on Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman.
0: Yeah, I really like that show. Excellent. Again, not my Superman, but if I look at it as an imaginary story, then I think the kids are great. I yeah. think that.
1: Oh, that, that's, the new, that's the new show. Oh, wait, so what are you talking? Oh, so I, I mean Clark, the, the the Dean Kane Terry Hatcher one.
2: <laughs> We're kids of the nineties, so <laughs> yeah.
0: it's the, part of the problem is that Dean Kane as a human being, has really sort of tainted my. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't don't my, don't don't start rob off on Dean Kane. <laughs> no, no, Jesus, I I got no use for him as a human being, and you know it's that meme going around like, thank you for your. Service to Superman, or whatever it's the nine panel grid <laughs> yeah, yeah, with yeah, everybody's right. face. <laughs> not you, you know. Thank you for your, not you, Chris, you know, not you, uh, Dean, service to Superman. But I mean, I like the show well enough. This, I was very, again, this is, I mean, God, this is what, 30 years ago at this point?
2: Yeah, because this is this is for uh, both me and Rob um, grew up with it after the Christopher Reeve movies. Yeah. I'm a couple of years older than Rob, and our, our friend Matt has a podcast, Lois and Clark, the new podcast of Superman, which just covers this show. And I know right. that he
0: he'd love to he'd love to know what you thought of it. um At the time, I think I enjoyed it more than I enjoy it now. I think yeah. that, like I said, Dean kane taints yeah. my view, but also it it doesn't hold up as well for me as the as the brand new shares the new yeah. Lois and mm-hmm. Superman show. Um, But that said, I mean, I watch all of the, or not all of them, I watch most of the live action DC stuff because some of it feels like homework, but some of it is really enjoyable. And Stargirl's great. Yeah. Star, I love I love the unapologetic nature of kids and adults walking around in these costumes that just are basically adult cosplay. (laughs) And no one calls them on it and no one mocks them for it. And it's just the way it is in this world. Mm -hmm. And that is awesome. And I love Doom Patrol because Doom Patrol is just so inventive and so weird. And I've always loved those characters. I was the editor. I was Grant's editor on the book for a little while early on in, in his run on that book. And I've always loved those characters and I love what they're doing
2: as as we're big fans also of the the 1950s George Reeves um, show and we've reviewed a couple of episodes here but a show that we have discovered which mm-hmm. um, I, I, I presume you may have watched seen as you're such a fan of the Silver Age of Comics is The Adventures of Superboy from the 1980s
0: Yes. Um, yeah, I, I love that show. I, still, I,
2: <laughs> I had a funny feeling you might.
0: <laughs> I did. I mean, I, I especially lit up whenever they would do comic stuff. Look, it's Mitch yeah. Here's, you know, here's Metallo. Bizarro. Yeah, be,
2: because a lot of a lot of these shows avoid that. They, you know, they, yeah. they, don't, they don't they don't they don't tap into the, the, the resource that they have. in the Or if they do, they history. do it really
0: badly. Right. One of the that run of Superboy has one of my favorite Superman stories of all time. Which is, and I'll spoil the punchline, but it's the one, it's the bottle episode where it's Superman and, and or Superboy and, and uh, Lex caught in a mine, right? Like trapped oh. in a mine. I've mentioned that there. episode
1: so many times on this podcast. I
0: love that episode. I love the punchline of, you know, 20 minutes of them not being able to get out because there's kryptonite all around. And then Lex saying, <laughs> by the way, what is this, a, what's a mine for? Oh, it's a, it's a lead mine, you know? Problem solved. Let's use Problem some vision. <laughs> that I wish i thought of that. That was such a home run. That was great. My
1: fa- my favorite line in that, Mark. I've said it so many times. There, yeah. There's a there's a bit where they're discussing. You know, what, what what's what's your ideal life? You know, what would you love to do more than anything else? And Superboy <laughs> says, "Oh, you know, I'd I'd love to compromise. I'd love to take a day off, like not have to worry about everything." And then he yeah. asks Lex the same question, like, "What's your idea of the perfect day?" And Lex just goes. To be king for a day. And it's just, exactly, It's yes. like a perfect yep. Lex Luthor moment. I love it so much. Yep.
2: We had J.M. DeMatteis on the podcast recently, and uh, he wrote a couple of episodes of that show, including uh, one of my favorites is the um, Know Thine Enemy, which is the one yeah. where Superboy travels into Lex Luthor's mind, basically into his, yeah. into his past memories, which is, a, which is another fantastic episode. Um, can I ask you, uh, Mark... Yeah. What are your thoughts on I know I'll keep asking you can I ask you a question that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an Irish thing I'm sorry about that um truth justice and a better tomorrow what are your thoughts Great. on on the new slogan awesome
0: yeah i i i have no issue with it i think that i understand if you're a maga wearing you know cap wearing guy you think this is some sort of blow against america it's some it's not you know i mean honestly part of it is that they lost the trademark on the phrase so they needed to find something that they could trademark but more than that, it is more inclusive. It's not a matter of, yeah. of excluding America because you're not saying it. It's a matter of including the rest of the world, which is very much part of Superman's remit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, said. I, I found it funny that Dean Kane Dean takes an issue with it. But yet again, in his own show, he never said it. Yeah. No one ever justice. said it on his
0: show. He never said it. Exactly. So, <laughs> and in the comics, I mean, it, you, can, it doesn't, you don't have to take off your shoes to count on your feet the number of times it's been used in the comics. Yeah, it hasn't. Been, it, so it's not like it's a giant loss.
2: And would I would it be right in saying that it's 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 changed significantly over time? Anyway, hasn't it? Like yeah, it, there definitely. has been different versions back throughout World War II, and I, I there was a version yeah. I remember very vaguely. There was a version truth, justice, and and peace for mankind, or peace for the world, There's, or something yeah, like that.
0: It, it, truth, justice, and freedom was you know was a big part of that. Was that was before that was during World War II before we really intensified the war effort, and that's when. The American way was added during World War II, but the, even then, after that, after that, it was reverted back, and it's been you know truth, justice, and freedom. It's been whatever it was in the Super Friends, truth, justice, and I maybe think was that was truth, peace, justice,
1: truth, and peace. justice, and peace, or something. I remember, something yeah.
0: like that. Yeah, peace for yeah, truth, justice, and peace for all mankind. Yeah, that's what um, I'm thinking of. Yeah, it's you know it's it's since so many different iterations that it, it the truth and justice is the big part of it. If you took that part away, I'd have an issue with it. But I got no yeah. issue with this.
2: Do you think we'll still be talking about Superman in 80 years time?
0: I think so. I think so. I think that there is, this is a good way to wrap because it brings me back to one of your very first questions. Yeah. You also asked me, you asked me what made Superman special, but you also asked me why he's, why he's lasted this long. And my answer is, we don't know. My answer is that with all of these characters that have been around 60, 70, 80 years, they're well constructed and you can point to all the things that really click and really work with these characters but there's also i insist there's also an x factor there's also something that we don't know like that 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 makes these characters part of the american gestalt and if you think you know then you're a little arrogant and if you want to break it you're a jerk you know so do no harm like try to try to bear in mind that no matter how much you want to write these stories or how much you want to say something about these characters, they've, you know, have some humility. They've lasted this long and they'll continue to last. I think that, yeah, I mean, you can't go any, I don't know about, you know, where you are, but here you can't go anywhere without at some point in public, without at some point seeing somebody wearing a Superman t-shirt or a Superman cap. You just can't. It's so much a part of the American Gestalt.
2: Yeah, and it it is. It's the same here. It's the same here in Europe. It's the same here in Ireland. Yeah. yeah. Well, on that note, Mark, thank you so much for giving us your time and coming on All Star superfans we'll It was it's a great pleasure. It. You
0: guys asked some great questions, and I I very much appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much,
1: Mark. Just one last thing before you go. I just want to say, yeah. um, the the internet has brought the, the the best and the worst of humanity to the fore, and uh, <laughs> yes, I know. I know you, you've, you've had a bit of tough times on there at times on Twitter and things like that. I, I just want to say personally, I think you've dealt with it so well. And, um, I, I admire you. you a great deal for that. I have to say so I, well done. I
0: just, I, I don't like bullies. I just don't. When I, when I, when Catherine, when Chris Evans said that in the Captain America movie, I literally cried because <laughs> that's, that's the, you know, I don't like bullies and Twitter exists in part just to hate me. So, thank you for for saying that because it's nice to be reminded in all the you know
2: well you are negative
0: voices are always lower than the positive voices
2: exactly you are like you're 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 definitely much loved by the fan by a lot of the fan community and by uh, people like me and rob who cherish your work and thank you so much for everything you've done and i can't wait to read what's coming next thank you
0: so much this time next year let's do it again absolutely thank you mark take care take care have a good evening everybody bye bye bye
2: wow so that was mark wade everybody uh the rob nobody can see rob but he's got a smile from one ear to the other ear i am still uh in awe of the fact that we just spoke to mark wade and what a nice down-to-earth guy i feel Um,
1: like i feel like i was just backstage in madison square garden with mick jagger and (laughs) paul mccartney and like it was it, it was that it's that same kind of feeling of you know Beating a god. <laughs>
2: yeah, and you know, like, like Mark Wade will always be remembered for 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 works like Kingdom Come, and he has done so much other, and we couldn't get into everything he has done. So much other stuff, and the Flash, and everything else he's done, and it, you know, uh, but like he really will uh, go down to history as, as one of the greats when it comes to Superman, you know, he's right up there with people like, you know, Kurt Swan and all those people who, who, who have written, you know, he was, he was the voice of a, of a generation, really, you know, for us in terms of that character. um, And it's, it, it's, he was so gracious with Simon, so down to earth and, and such a nice guy. And I really can't wait to see what happens with, his black label and uh, we, we were just pretty fortunate that we, we bookmark and then they announced that he was doing the black label. And then they announced that he was doing the, the world's uh, finest team up the, the Batman book, because it's been a while since he's, he's written for, for Superman written for DC.
1: Yeah, it has like he did, he did a lot of his own creator own stuff. He does a lot of Marvel stuff over the years. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's amazing to see him back kind of do, doing that kind of stuff, you know, given his, his legacy and given him much inspiration, the, the live action stuff is taken explicitly from his material. Like we didn't really get into it, but like the flash show, you know, owes a lot to his run in the comics. I know he was mainly writing Wally West, but like the characterization and a lot of the plots. And like he said, the speed force, all that kind of stuff is, you can draw a clear line com- from Mark. When he Wade said, and-
2: when he said about the Speed Force, I completely forgot that he came up with that. Like, he came up with that. It's crazy. Like it, it's 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 bananas. And, and then all just- you need
1: to do, like as he said, all you need to do is watch that Man of Steel trailer, and like literally some of the lines in it are written by Mark Wade. And again, same thing. You know, the Kingdom Come suit in the Crisis show. Yeah. Uh, Superman and Lois, they've definitely taken stuff from that. Like it's just you know it's amazing, and he just yeah. takes it all in a stride. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable.
2: Um, well, that's another episode of All Star Superfan. Everybody, uh, again, you can get in contact with us at All Star Superfan on Facebook and Instagram. We're at All Star Super Pod uh, on Twitter. Um, please remember to leave a like and a share, comment, review. It'll really help us uh, to get the word out and really help us to to grow as a podcast. It's it's great having you here. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to add before we finish up, Rob?
1: One last thing I would like to add is. Alan, hats off to you. You are the person who reached out to Mark Wade and booked him. And what a great interview what a great podcast and it wouldn't have happened without you so so hats off pat yourself on the back
2: well to, to be fair he, he couldn't have been more of a gentleman and you know i just I, I took a shot to reach out to him and we exchanged emails for a couple of months and uh, we, we were actually meant to record a couple of months ago he was meant to be one of our, our first guests um, <laughs> except I think it was a day or two before he contacted me because he'd gotten summons for jury duty uh. and he had to cancel um but yeah it's, it was great to, to just lock him in and and, and get to speak. To to and uh what, what what a great experience so i really hope everybody enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it uh stay safe stay super and remember if you ever need to find us just look up